We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Monday, September 14th. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Chris Liss. Week one has two more games left, the two Monday night games, including Liss's Giants. So, you know, even though it was a crappy week for him, it hasn't been full on crappy yet because his Giants haven't played yet. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. I'm starting to feel like Saquon Barkley is going to make that steel curtain seem like the paper curtain tonight. Going to go, he's going to go berserk, carry them on his back. Hey, he took the team on his back. Yeah, it, it could work. Uh, I hope so because I, I've got the Rotowire Online Championship team where I've got Barkley and I need him to go off tonight to kind of salvage an eh sort of week. So uh, let's let's start there. Um, uh, why it was why was it a crappy week for you, Liz? Was it because of Survivor? Or was it because of fantasy? Survivor mostly. My fantasy's not great. I I think I'm favored to beat Len in the stake league, but and I might eke out a win. You know how you play in the 12 team NFSC? You play everybody simultaneously, so you have to have a top half score to get a win. Right. I think in the prime time, I've got one guy left. I think it's Slayton. I think if Slayton can score me like 15 points, I think I'm favored to get a win. I think. I'm not sure actually. So I can go one and two in those and win the stake league one. And I don't know. I just didn't have a great week and yeah. Survivor losing week one is just horrible. And I'm hearing it from some, uh, chirpers in the uh, comments. It's, oh, you know, no. whatever. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like be like slap them down. Cause you know, I mean, it's, it's not, 
it's not the right way to play to just, Oh, he took the Colts. I'm going to take the Colts. Like that's, that's foolish, but you know, he has a right to say what he wants to say. So I'm not, I'm not going to go ballistic about it or anything, but you know, it's just, it's just sort of, it sucks. You know, I don't like losing and um, it is what it is. So, but I'm in a better mood actually writing the uh, observations. Let me get a lot of it out. I felt like I expressed my uh, disgust for the uh, NFL week one experience while at the same time realizing that that specific type of suffering is probably good for most people. They actually like it compared to what they've been dealing with for most of the year. So the NFL went off without a hitch. It seemed very normal. It seemed like a, you know, an oasis of normalcy in a period of chaos. And I think people are feeling pretty good about the NFL the way it did, the way it went for week one. Yeah. Uh, and you know, re, you know, it's funny. You, it, all it takes is like one of your leagues or one, you know, one thing to go right. It kind of erases a lot of bad things that happen. And especially yeah, if it's your team right. winning. Oh yeah. If the giants do well, I'll be happy, especially if, you know, Slayton goes off, but nothing went right. I mean, there's nothing that really went right. It's not like there's some other thing that I, I just feel better. Cause I explained it, expressed it. And I'm only like, honestly, you know, if I was at a level of a hundred of being enraged about the Colts, I was never at a hundred. I was probably at 88. Uh, I'm probably at like a 42 right now. And if I can get that down to under 20, then I'm, you know, that's good for me. Okay. That's good. Um, you're not having to practice some new age theory or anything to kind of calm yourself. So there is that. There is a one I year. Believe, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in any there of that. There is a year, though, you tried to pull some of that off on the show. Was it magnanimity or? Uh, equanimity. equanimity. I was trying to have more equanimity. But there's no new age theory. You cannot, you can't fake it. You can't fake equanimity and you can't fake, um, like, you have to just suffer through it and you have to make peace with it. But you can't fake it because right. you're just gonna you're just gonna like get into a road rage or a roid rage or something. Or if you're on roids while driving, you'll get into a roid and road rage simultaneously, which of course is <laughs> the worst. So you you can't be like suppressing it. You can't be faking it. You just gotta realize you're angry about it. I, I got into a thing where I was like, I contemplated just letting go of caring whether I won or lost in fantasy football and you know against the spread and all that. And I decided that if I really didn't care whether I won or lost, I would just probably not play so that I couldn't do this job and not care whether I won or lost. So I, I would just walk the earth, you know, like in Pulp Fiction when Jules almost gets killed, but he's killed like thousands of people, but he almost gets killed, decides to walk the earth. Um, I'd have to do that. I couldn't like continue in my current role if I were to really do it. Yeah. So it, you can't practice, can't practice equanimity. Like you practice mindfulness, although I, I've often struggled with that concept too, but yeah, it has well, to be genuine. You know how there's like a mindfulness retreat? People go on mindfulness retreats? Yes, I know of this. I was thinking, you know, if you go to a bachelor party, it's a mindlessness retreat. Oh, I'm going on a mindlessness retreat with my friends. <laughs> Get out of your mind. Uh, I mean, it's kind of the same thing really. But yeah, I mean, the, the, whole, the whole practice of all this stuff, it's like, I don't know. You know, you have to, it has to just be... It has to be for real. That's the thing. And it's very hard to practice it for real. Yeah, that it's like, is. Like, it's like practicing being courageous for real. You either are or you're not. You know, it's like, do you can't, or do not. There is no try. Only do. Yeah. Yes. It's like, it's like I'm going to practice being courageous. Well, you can't really. You either are courageous or you're not. That's kind of the same thing. Right. Okay. Let's get off on the big news here. Uh, start off on the big news. 
Uh, I don't want to yeah. have any misinterpretations here. Uh, yes. We're not doing phrasing now, are we? It's a family. It's a family podcast. Yeah. Michael Thomas, uh, ankle sprain. It's a high, well, not high ankle injury, and he wants to be able to try to play through it. What does That's that even all mean? This bad. It's a bad idea. Of course, he's going to say that. Of course, he wants to, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I want to play in the NFL through my uh, physical limitations. Also, it's just it's not going to happen. So I think it's unlikely. We'll see what happens. We'll see how, you know, there's different degrees of the sprain. could be a grade one high ankle sprain. Maybe could do it. But usually these are more serious. And I just say how annoyed I am. I took Thomas over Dalvin Cook in that league because it was safe. Hmm. And I always, like, hated on Michael Thomas. I said, this guy's not that good. He's a dink and dunk guy. And then whoever had Michael Thomas, you know, crushed me year after year because, you know, last year, obviously, an amazing year. And I finally get on the, this is like when I got Frank Thomas, Frank Thomas, also the Thomases, Frank Thomas in baseball is the one year he got like a divorce, you know? And then like he had a horrible year and it was, I took him in my first round pick and the same thing, Randy Johnson, the one year I was on Randy Johnson, he got hurt. And it's the same thing with this guy. It's like the one year I draft him, of course he gets an ankle sprain. And even before that has, does nothing. So it's a super annoying. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, so yeah, and the thing is, I, I think it's a lot like Barkley last year, trying to play through it. You know, and that's what worries me. Because that, that, that lingered for a really long time. Well, Barkley still missed like three or four games also. Yeah. I mean, at least two games. All right, but I guess a better way of saying it is trying to come back qu- too soon, maybe. Yeah. It's just, it's just really, it's horrible. It really, I mean, it's just... Week one, you already got, you already probably lost. It's your first round pick and he got you nothing. How are you going to come back from that anyway in week one? Now he's going to either be out a couple of weeks or rush it. It's a, it's truly, I mean, who knows? You could get lucky. It's not that severe, but strikes me as fairly disastrous. It, it does. It does. And you're going to be stuck playing. And it's the last game of the week. You're going to be stuck waiting. Uh, Monday night. Yeah. Terrible. It's, it's awful. Uh, the other huge news, Marlon Mack out for the season. Uh, well, it's not in, in so much that it makes Jonathan Taylor the, the starter. Although I think that also means Naheem Hines sees the field more, too. I don't think it's just like, oh, okay, you know, Taylor is going to be a workhorse back getting like 70% uh, snap share. I think it's going to be like 60-40, 55-45. Yeah, but it's going to be... Taylor, not only, I mean, that line has to block. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about losing a survivor to a line that couldn't block a totally gutted defense. It's pathetic. But if that line blocks anything close to what it did last year, Taylor's going to get a ton of early down receptions. Hines may be in on third down, but I'm first and second down. Rivers is a dink and dunk. Every time it's a pass play, look for Jack Doyle in the backs to, to catch a lot of passes. Paris Campbell looked pretty good too, and he looks to him, but nothing down the field. So I think Taylor's going to be like Melvin Gordon. Full season Melvin Gordon was like 60 catches. That's so right. I think Taylor had six or seven catches yesterday. So full season Melvin Gordon was 60 catches. You're going to get Melvin Gordon catches, but with a guy who's faster, more powerful, and just a better runner. Maybe we'll see a Mostert play. We could see a Mostert play, yeah. We might see one of those. Mostert's faster than Jonathan Taylor, though. Yes, Mostert is, is one of the uh, fastest guys in the NFL. Uh, he was a track he, – he was – uh, he wasn't just like, a, you know, the rhetorical track star. He was actually a track star at Purdue. So, 
not a surprise that you know he does that. Didn't he time the fastest ever speed recorded in the NFL using like the Gen X stacks? Uh, Gen X Statcast. Yeah, it's only four years old, three or four years old, right. but it was like Tyreek Hill last year or one of those guys. And the top speed on Mostert's run was faster than Tyreek Hill's from last year. Yeah, which is pretty amazing uh, that he was able to do that. But uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if that means translate translates into anything else. But we're going back to t- uh, Taylor here and Hines. I mean, I have Taylor and Hines in a league. I mean, theoretically, I could could have used Hines, uh, but it, it would have been very difficult to do so. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, Hines is now at least a. At the very least, as a bye week or flex play. Now you can use him. Before he was just like, okay, well, best ball type of guy. But now you might actually have to in bye weeks or in a case of a number of injuries, you can slot him in. What's so annoying is my. I was talking about this on XM. Like my zero running back team has Hines, who I didn't play this week, who went crazy. Ronald Jones, who looked phenomenal. Swift, who obviously dropped that pass, but he'll get more chances and did score. Jer- yeah, Jarek McKinnon, who scored a touchdown and looked good. Uh, the zero running back part of it work, is working out great, just great. It's the stud wide receiver part of it that's that's horrible. It's Michael Thomas and Odell Beckham and Terry McLaurin. Tyreek Hill did a little bit, and Mark Andrews did well. But I mean, that's the problem with it. It's it's bizarre, and it's I'm talking about this on the show. Dalton Del Don last year in baseball, when all hitters. And totally didn't draft a starting pitcher to the 15th round, but he got like Matt Boyd and three other guys who were good. And he's like, pitching wasn't bad. It was his hitting that was bad. How could you have bad hitting if you use 15? But you know, it is what it is. I use four of my top five picks on wide receivers and you know, it's just one week. And, but the fact that Thomas is hurt, you know, is bad, but it's just, it's really, it's just crazy. Like how, even if you get it right on the zero running back part, your receivers still need to do what they're, they're supposed to do. There's a lot of week one panics though. I got to say, and I guess with OBJ, I think it's probably justified a little bit because of what happened last year. Maybe not so much, though, with, you know, with uh, Thomas, well, the injury. I mean, that became super late. So now you got two first and third round pick, Thomas in. But I I read something good about uh, OBJ from the Cleveland Beat Riders. They said he was wide open in a lot of plays, and he looked springy and fast, and he was – he got open against Marlon Humphrey and the un, you know, unbeatable Ravens deep secondary against top receivers. And it was just Mayfield that didn't get him the ball. So it's kind of good news. I mean, it's not good news. He's still got to play with Mayfield, but it's good news that OBJ himself looked completely healthy and good. Yeah. I was just going to say it could be spun different ways. I mean, you know, Mayfield, we are okay. We got a real coach again. We got real plays. Uh, and here we are. And he looked horrible in one week. You know, they got the early touchdown is the funny thing. And then it just kind of broke down after that. Yeah, well, I, uh, the thing, so not only this guy, they tweeted out about, um, I saw one tweet about how Beckham um, looked perfectly good and it, and it wasn't him. But also I saw another tweet about how Baker Mayfield is just not nearly athletic enough to have the crappy footwork that he does. So he's trying to do stuff that Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes does, but he doesn't have that kind of talent. And so you're, you're really asking for trouble. You know, he needs to be fundamentally completely sound. Uh, he, he can't be improvising in that way, being, you know, six foot one and not having the cannon for the arm that these guys have and not being as fast as those guys. How about more footwork practice and fewer progressive uh, commercials, maybe? I don't know. Or whatever. I, forget, I think it was progressive that he does the ads for. The ones where he's in the stadium and all that. There was a new set of ones that aired this year. Uh, just 
move on, dude. Come on. Focus on your craft. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, there's good money in those uh, stupid commercials for insurance companies. Yeah, there are. Um, so, uh, you know, hey, you, after I, I have to, that's still on my list, of, on my rewatch list to see what the hell really happened. But the guy that scored the touchdown in that game, David Njoku, actually got hurt. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's just, bad, you know, and he can't stay healthy anyhow. And he wasn't exactly supposed to be the primetime guy anyways, but he's got an MCL injury. In fact, they put him on, uh, they put him on IR. So, uh, but IR means like three weeks. So it's, it's right. so weird this year. It's like IR, you know, we don't know what it means anymore because it's minimum three weeks, but it could be a lot longer. Right. And um, we're still dealing with, but I am, but it is nice that at least I know I don't, I, there's no day to day on this. I'm. He's, I think it's it's good for us in a way. This this new IR rule it takes away a lot yep. of the ambiguity. Yeah, no, right. You just don't know whether to. I mean, you'll cut Njoku because that's you know, right. but like, uh, but you, you know, you wouldn't know whether to cut somebody if they're on the three week. If if they put Michael Thomas, well, you wouldn't cut him because he's got a high ankle sprain. He'll be on the the shorter IR, but it's a little odd. But yeah, there should just be more yes and no, and not this constant like you know. There's players you know. Remember David Johnson that year. Every week he was questionable. Then after like week nine or ten, they finally just put him on the permanent IR. And meanwhile, you wasted your whole year with him on a roster spot. Right. You should give him a buzz. Just to let him know how it is to go to rehab that ankle. I no. I mean, I I had way worse. Like what I did was I just didn't rehab. But actually, one one time it was so bad the sprain that I got that I actually had to take six weeks off from basketball. It was the only thing I had going for me, Jeff. It's the only thing I enjoyed in my life. So I'd play through anything. And then like one, one time was so bad that I had to take six weeks off and then I played through, you know, I played again. I remember playing the day that I heard it for six weeks. I played the whole second hour cause it was still warm. And then my toes were like purple. Like I rolled it so bad. There was like blood, you know, it was like, cause you tear the ligament, it bleeds. And, uh, then finally just one day, like I was in the movie theater and I took a step and I felt like somebody put an electric shock into the top of my foot. And it was cause I had worn down the cartilage and then I had to finally get surgery. But, uh, I don't think Michael Thomas's ankle is quite in that shape yet. No, real man's ankle is so. in that shape. And I, I think they do a quicker job of diagnosing it too. Yes, <laughs> they, they're yeah a little more uh, professional about treating it. Yeah. Another big injury: Blake Jarwin tore his ACL. He's out for the year, obviously. Uh, Cowboys don't have any real depth behind him at tight end. I, may not matter too much except for blocking. I mean, it's Dalton Schultz and Blake Bell are the guys behind him. They, you know. Uh, I don't think Jason Witten leaving actually changes that that much, but uh, that's just one less frequent target for Dak. Yeah, it's uh, it's good for Ceedee Lamb and Gallup and Cooper. I think there's just going to be a lot of targets between those three guys. I think you're right about that. Uh, Lamb was the guy that they targeted on the fourth down play that fell just short. Uh, I saw a good breakdown of that uh, after our XM show today, and it's just like it wasn't a bad play call. It wasn't even necessarily bad execution. It was just a really good play by the defender. He had to come across quite a, far, a long way, just diagnosed it really well, uh, and made the play. Uh, sometimes that happens too. Yeah, and sometimes the defense makes a play. It's not always failure of execution by the offense. Right. It was it was fine. I had no problem with the call. I mean, it was aggressive. I rather always if I want my coach and I. I I've hated McCarthy forever, but I always want my coach erring on the side of aggressiveness. Yeah. Oh, he went on fourth and one. Maybe he should have punted there, but who cares? You know, the, the, they air so much on the other side and the bill O'Brien, we didn't talk about this Thursday night, seven, seven, oh. fourth and three at midfield. He punts and his chiefs get a touchdown. The game's over. I mean, you just gave away the game completely and did it again at like fourth and seven down like 21 in the third quarter is like 
dude, you don't understand who you're dealing with. You're playing the chiefs. Yeah. You know, this isn't the, uh, 1975 Steelers, you know, where you better just punt it and, you know, hope that, uh, you're, you're, you know, hope that your offense can slow them down. Like, I mean, your defense can slow them down. This is, they're going to score a touchdown, dude. You better score a touchdown also. Yeah. Well, and McCarthy's kind of caught a lot of crap as a Packers coach for this. Uh, you know, you look at, you know, not just punting, which he did a bad job of, but remember that playoff game against the, the Seahawks oh, where they had total all total. those short field goals. And I think some of that, I mean, I think he, that lesson he took to heart. I, I really do. Uh, which, hey, credit to him. I, I think he, I, I'm with you. I, I, I was good with the decision. I was good with the play call. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Yeah, going for it on four, you know, the, the analytics guys, it's like going for it on fourth and three inside the, you know, the 11 yard line with 11 minutes left down three on fourth down. Just because it's the right call doesn't mean it's going to work out. <laughs> you know, right. it's not like you're guaranteed to make it. There's no, the, being the right call means a good probability move. It doesn't mean you're going to make it. And also they had, to, it was fine. They had two more chances to tie or win. You know, they lost by three points. I mean, they, they had two drives that they just couldn't execute. And one of them, they actually did execute. They just called the ticky tack offensive PI. Yeah. You know, honestly, and maybe I've missed it, but I haven't seen too many people giving him crap for it. Well, I just saw the the press con. I saw like something about the press conference after the reporters were harping on it okay. and they never harp on it. When you, you know, when you punt, I wonder if Bill O'Brien got anything for the fourth and one punt against the chiefs. I mean, even I, I watched the, uh, you know, the condensed version, so I don't get all the announcer commentary, but I'm pretty sure I caught a little bit of, of Collinsworth and Michaels questioning the punt of Bill O'Brien on Thursday night, like o- yeah, openly right did. away. They did a little bit. Uh, and it, the first punt is the one that they, that's the one. Yeah. yeah they, that I'm they, talking that's about. the one that ca- uh, they talked up because that was fourth and three, you know, it wasn't fourth and seven, like the second yeah. one, but yeah. Although the a second one three. was worse because they were down 17 points already in the third. Quarter. I mean, I can't say which one was worse. They were both a hundred percent egregious. They were both. There's like the McCarthy one kicking the field goal down three at 11 minutes or going for it is kind of, to me, that's a close call. Whichever one ends up being right. I think going for it might be right, but the math is probably close on that. But I am positive that the Bill O'Brien ones, the math is not remotely close. It is like just, obviously you go for it on both of those situations. It's not even close. So I don't know which one was actually worse on the math, but they're both very bad. And does the math take into account the opponent? Uh, yeah, I'm, I am. When I say the math, I don't mean some, you know, if you're in this situation against generic team X, what do you do? That to me is, you know, that in some ways, so it's like I, there's bots, you know, there's like, was it the New York times punt bot or was it someone else that had a, the bad punt bot basically? It was the New York times yeah, bot. And that, that was dumb because it, it didn't take into account the opponents. Uh, and and I, I do think it does matter, right? Like if you're in a, if, if you have like two, 2000 Ravens type teams facing each other in a, you know, punt away. punting, make, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes a lot more sense. Field position matters. It's going to be a low scoring game. Don't give them field position. It's going to be very hard to get a few first downs, but against the chiefs where they can get to that midfield in two plays without even breaking a sweat, like keep the ball at all costs. You almost got an onside kick against the chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's at least it's in the range and you know, Bill O'Brien's not going to do that, but there might be others. Yeah. Uh, there's a opposite, you know, there was a situation where a coach went for it that you might be able to be a little critical, and that was the Eagles uh, against the against the football team. Uh, they were ahead uh, by three, I think, early fourth quarter, fourth and four, and then you know they hadn't scored since early in the first earlier in the first half. 
uh, like the, the Washington 44 or something. And they went for it on fourth and four, and Wentz got sacked. Uh, and then that led to the turn, uh, Washington turnaround scoring going ahead. Uh, and I did see, like, you know, just because, you know, there are times when you still should punt. And when you're protecting a small lead in the fourth quarter, that might have been one where I think you could make a case for it. Because it wasn't like it was going to end the game. It was going to keep, it was going to run some clock and would keep the possession going. But it was far enough out that you weren't guaranteed to score. You know, it didn't like, it wasn't the difference between a field goal and a touchdown. It, yeah, I, I could see the uh, case for punting in that case. Right. You're saying even if they make it, right. they get to control the clock for a little bit longer and get a chance to score, but they're not guaranteed to score even if they make it. Right. And if they punt, you have this crap Washington offense that's going to now drive 90 yards. You know, at least 80, but hopefully, you know, hopefully nine, they're hoping it's 90. Uh, and then instead they give them a short field, but I could see it too, because it's like, yeah, when you, when you get into a shell and punt and hope to win, you're sort of like, you're playing not to lose. And sometimes it's like, just let's win this game. Let's get this first down let's score this touchdown. Let's win it. Right. So I, I actually see it both ways, I but mean, I, I, I see did, the case for it. Let me, don't get me wrong. I, I, yeah. I see, I see the, like, yeah, I, I see. I, I see the case for both sides on this one. I just think right. this one I wasn't as strident about. I was like, yeah, right. well, you know, I default towards let's go for it. You know, pretty, well, that's how I feel about the McCarthy one. I could see a case for kicking the field goal and tying the right. game twenty twenty with eleven minutes left, but I'm, I have no problem with him going for it. And moreover, I think whichever one is right, and I think it might be one of those cases where it's a feel thing where it's so close that it does matter context, opponent, who's more tired, things like that start to you know become the tiebreaker. I think the Eagles one was probably like that too. You know, do you really want to punt to put your defense back on the field? There's a lot of subtle things like that. When it's egregious, when like, and it's a Bill O'Brien thing, there's no tiebreaker. It's just, no, you do this or you don't do it. Whereas like right. in th- these cases, it's like very close. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, before we move on, quick note from our sponsor, Owner's Box. Do you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports? Live for the quick hit of DFS? Then be the first to try weekly fantasy sports, WFS, from Owner's Box. Owner's Box is kicking off the 2020 season in a big way by giving everyone 25 Owner's Bucks to try the game for free. In addition, Owner's Box will be matching users' first deposit of up to $50. Weekly fantasy sports keeps players engaged through live drafting, social interaction, and a new layer strategy that puts the power back in your hands. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. New public and private contests start every day. The Owner's Box game provides users with a fun and engaging rule set that revolves around a set number of game opportunities by roster position. Your players earn you points throughout the week, but only if you have enough games available at that position. Owner's Box allows users to engage socially in multiple different ways with the community. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to elevate the trash talking competition to the next level. Sign up today to try weekly fantasy sports for free. But that's not it. Each fantasy week, uh, each weekly fantasy sports contest you participate in will give you one free entry into a signed true Drew Brees jersey giveaway. In honor of the NFL season, Owner's Box will also be matching the first-time first, first time deposit of up to $50. Head on over to www.ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your rewards and join the new wave of fantasy sports. All right, Chris. We, we touched on this earlier, but... Survivor kind of sucked this week if you had Jacksonville. I mean, if you had the Colts over Jack. Great if you had Jacksonville. That brilliant, yeah. brilliant move. Jerry Donabedian in, your, in the comment section of Twitter 
was like touting money line bet before the game, not after the game. Uh, that he was pro Jacksonville, so he's probably- he was touting it. To be honest, he was touting it before and after the game. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> but true, true point. But he did get it in before. Yes. Uh, yeah, but money line bet's a little different though because you're getting paid, you know, three, three and a half to one on it. Whereas you know that right. if you're Survivor, you're just you know going all in with that. But nobody uses them Survivor. But I wish I had. I wish I'd accidentally clicked it. I did that one year. There. So remember the uh, Chiefs pay, uh, Patriots game on Thursday night right. to start the yes. year. I accidentally yeah. clicked the Chiefs and won. Nice. <laughs> uh, Kareem Hunt went nuts. Uh, that was uh, his first game, and they, that just revealed that oh, this Chiefs offense is going to be really good. And that was still Alex Smith. That wasn't Mahomes yet. Yeah, that and that was yeah, that was or was that it? was like was it Mahomes? No, no, no it was it was Alex Smith. It was, it was Alex Smith. Smith. Okay, I was right yeah. the first time. Yeah, and they that was and everyone's like oh, oh, and maybe. And it, and it turned out like okay, are the Pats really bad, or is it just the Chiefs? Or you know, Chiefs offense is good. Oh, his Chiefs offense was actually good, uh, and Kareem Hunt was legit good. And that's what that kind of revealed. So yeah, I faded Kareem Hunt, and I stayed up all night in Portugal to watch that, and I got knocked out of Survivor on that one too. Mm. And I was totally wrong about Kareem Hunt. A horrible, horrible experience. Yeah, I hate when you know you you make you take a stand and you're wrong, and it's just. Flat out wrong. It happens, unfortunately. But well, the problem is you have to take a stand on a lot of stuff, and then you really like. I got to remind myself, like, don't take a stand on more than you really have to, or more than you really believe. Right. Uh, not that I don't believe it, but I get caught up in different ideas, and then I'll start taking a stand, and then I'll, you know, agree with something and start taking a stand. And the truth about this is, you really want to pick your spots of what you want to you know, stand for, so to speak, you know, the, the thing that you're like, this is what's going to happen. This is the thing I believe in, you know, in life and in sports, don't have a thousand takes, have five takes a year, three takes a year, four and against, you know, like just have a few. It's not good to have too many. Yeah, just have takes on what you really feel strongly about, you know, and, I mean, you pick know, your sometimes, spots. Sometimes I'll make an assertion and you're like, oh, that's bad. And you know, sometimes I'll take the bet with you. Uh, other times, it's like I don't, I don't really feel strongly about it enough. Or, or, oh, you know, bet on everything. Bet on everything. Uh, I mean, betting is fine. It's more just like don't, uh, don't be on the hook for stuff that you don't, that you're not really committed to. Right. You know, real man bets on the air quality index at, at any given time. You, you know, you know nothing about the air quality index except that high numbers are bad. But, uh, you know, I, I only say that because right now, like, my, so, my throat is actually literally sore from these stupid fires and the smoke that's here. I mean, it's so annoying. But uh, anyways. You should start smoking cigarettes because that way, if you're already getting credit for it, you may as well enjoy it. It's deep, deep thoughts from Chris Liss. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, what else do I want to talk about? Okay, so Schuler actually and I, he talked me into going Buffalo uh, in the bean pool. With, uh, so at least I, we didn't lose there. But it wasn't just the Colts. That cost people is also the Niners losing at home to Arizona. That one kind of, you know, everyone was focused. The national game was Saints, Bucks, and all that for nat- for good reasons. But the the other game might have been better. Yeah, uh, I think the Niners, I didn't really consider. First of all, that smog was such a X factor that I didn't want to uh, get involved in it. And then secondly, you know, they're missing their receivers. And then third, um, the Super Bowl hangover is real. Like the team that loses the Super Bowl it's bad. And the way they lost, it was really bad. I mean, they were up 2010 with 10 minutes left. They picked off Mahomes in the end zone. They had it. Yeah. And they just could not 
get a first down. They could not move the ball. And they gave Mahomes the ball three more times. And they lost by like 11. They gave him three more drives and let up every single one. And they just could not stop them or get a first down. It was truly a collapse. And it was another Shanahan collapse like he did when he was offensive corner of the Falcons. They had the Patriots dead to rights. And, you know, the last year the Rams got the hangover. I know it's like a little superstitious, like a Madden curse, but I think there it's not just that you play, you know, at least a couple extra weeks from the other playoff team. So you're deeper into the season. There's all the energy and hype and excitement and hopes that get dashed. It's probably harder to get yourself back up for the next season. It might be, it might be. Uh, and they were capable of that even last year. Remember the collapse at home against Atlanta last year. That was an yeah. odd game. Uh, but, I guess that it shows it's possible, but they, and you know, they, uh, that, that the Buckner trade actually ends up hurting them. So that's one there, uh, that, you know, you know, they, oh, they got the first, they got the, that was the Ayuk pick, wasn't it? That they got, I think, yeah, but I, I didn't play though. So it didn't help them yet. Yeah. Um, And Samuel's out. I, I, yeah, I just think Garoppolo is not very good. And so that's just, that's just a, they kind of hide him because the scheme is so good and the running game is so good. And then you have guys like Kittle run after the catch, like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, most are so fast. They've got so many guys after the catch that are fast and able to make plays. Debo is really good after the catch also. And Ayuk's going to be too. But, they're, you know, the quarterback's a problem. And the, the defense probably won't be as good as it was last year either. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, the thing is, too, like Garoppolo missed some throws uh, on that one. And he kind of, like the play where... Kittle got banged up. It was actually off of a bad throw, too. Yeah, it was off of a high throw. So Yeah, a hospital wall. Uh, kind of yeah. like what Tyrod Taylor was throwing to Mike Williams yesterday. Right. Mike Williams is so good, though. But those big receivers, you know, Mike Evans gets banged up, although it's a hamstring. Calvin Johnson used to take these hits where he'd get hit super high and he'd fall a long way, uh, land on his posterior and, you know, limp off Julio Jones is always taking these big hits, these big receivers. It's like, they're just huge targets. Whereas like the little guys, when they get hit, they get crushed, but you're better to be like a Tyree Hill or Antonio Brown or Beckham. They don't take a lot of big hits. No, they don't. Um, th- th- that's definitely a skill. You don't, not everyone can be Anquan Bolden and run people over, you know, more well, Anquan Bolden broke his jaw and played. I mean, Anquan Bolden was one of the, he and Heinz Ward, like two, players I've seen. Yeah. Two toughest receivers. And like the, the DBs when uh, Heinz Ward was playing like for the Ravens, I think Rod Woodson was a safety at the end of his career. And he was, his head would be on a swivel in case, uh, there was going to be a crack back from Heinz Ward. He, they were like, they feared Heinz Ward's blocks. So that's, you know, it's a real man's receiver, but, most receivers aren't like that. And the big guys, if they're big and physical, they just get popped because they're looking up at the ball and these safeties come over and just clock them full speed. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, uh, who's like that today? Is there anyone receivers that are like just badass psychos? I think, uh, I think like, you know, there's a couple guys that have the build for it. Like, Juju's like 5'11, 215. Devontae Adams is built like that. He's not like he's more focused on catching passes. Um, Juju probably also. DJ Moore's kind of built like that. That that's the kind of the style. You know, Heinz Ward was like six feet two fifteen. Like very physical. Jarvis Landry might be a little bit like that. Tough dude. Um, but he's a little smaller. 
I don't know. I got to think about it. You know, Steve Smith was a tough dude. Who's who's like the Heinz Ward, Anquan Bolden of today's receivers? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, like, who's the toughest active wide receiver in the NFL? Think like Anquan Bolden or Heinz Ward. Yeah. Curious. Are you doing a little, you know, an XM, you get the feedback live. Well, maybe you'll get it by the end of this podcast. Maybe. We'll we'll see here. Uh, All right. While we do that, though, I got to give you some credit. Golden Tate, by the way. I could see it's that. It's pretty tough too. I could see that. But one. he's but I mean he's he's getting old though. Yeah. He's he's actually scratched today. Not that anyone listening to this podcast cares, but so I made this uh Chris Harris's podcast and but now I'll give you some credit. You know what the you know there's Auden Tate, right? Right? Uh, you know what the symbol for gold is on the AU. AU, yeah. yeah. AU. Golden Tate, Auden Tate. They're the same. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. Okay, but I gotta go. give you credit, because when we were talking on an XM today, we we're talking about uh Swift, uh, Swift's uh, drop for the Lions, and ooh, so bad. But that because it was such an obvious game deciding, you know, thing. Not game deciding, but the last last thing that could have decided the game. DeAndre Swift's blo- uh, drop, but because it was so obvious, and it wasn't like a, a mental error. It was just a, it was a, just a. He just dropped it. You know, well, it is a mental error. I mean, he lost his focus for a second. I mean, it's not like the ball was perfect and it was right in his hands. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't like a okay. This is you're not t- t- doing the little things right. This was a big thing. It's like yeah. okay, you just got to focus on this. You got to catch it. Uh, that he wouldn't get buried for it. And sure enough, Matt Patricia had conciliatory comments uh, today, and he's like, you know, he, this hey, this this didn't wasn't the only thing that decided the game. You know, blah blah. I forget the exact line, but it was it was like, oh, Matt Patricia is actually being human here. I liked it. Yeah, no, it's the idea that like if you miss a block or you uh, fumble or commit a bad penalty, you're benched. You're in the doghouse forever. Remember David Wilson before he got concussed? Giants first round rookie running back. He fumbled Tom Coughlin like twice. I think he fumbled. Tom Coughlin banished him. Then he had a concussion, neck injury, never had a career. Uh, you know, they're very harsh when something like that happens. I was like, but when something like this happens, which is so publicly embarrassing, I mean, everyone watching the game knows you have the game won, hold on to the ball. Now you lost. I mean, it was that simple. It was like a, a missed field goal down two. you know, a chip shot field goal down two. you either win or you lose based on whether you make it and you just shank it. It was the equivalent of that. And, but he's their first, you know, he's an early second round rookie. And I knew they, I didn't know, but I, I said, you know, in a situation like that, they're going to you know, they're going to get behind him and say, you know what? We support him. It's not that big of a deal. He's learning. He's a great player, blah, blah. But you know, everyone feels like if Ronald Jones had missed a block or something and Brady got crushed, like that would be the end of him. You know? So they're really harsh for stuff like that. And yet when it's public, when it's like embarrassing, they, they almost feel like, yeah, maybe it's what you said. It's not a, it's not considered a, not considered a mental error. Like he didn't, he wasn't lazy or didn't like right. miss something in the playbook or not know his assignment or something. So it's like this is just a, you know, just a lapse, and they they are less more forgiving about it. But I also think the public nature of it is like, you don't. There's no lesson to be learned here. Like, trust me, people seeing that on TV, his friends, his family, everybody watching football, look the he, ball into your hands. Yeah. yeah. Well, not just that, but you're right. There's no lesson in the sense of like, he clearly isn't like, you know, he's going to be hard on himself for that particular error, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, the thing is. He ran a good route. That was actually a route, too. It wasn't, you know, a dump off to a running back. He ran a really good route uh, and beat two defenders. And he was, you know, he had to do, there was a lot of skill in doing that. Stafford threw a good ball. 
And he was kind of like turning to see if he could get his feet in. I, I, I feel like that's what he was doing. Uh, but, you know, it, it was huge. And then the next play, and there was time for one more play after that. But at that point, then, you know, you, you had to throw into the end zone because, you know, if you get t- stopped, stopped short, then, you know, it's game over too. So Yeah, I mean, the ball was just right there. It was disappointing. It had him in the lineup too. It would have been a second touchdown. would have given him a reception, six for the touchdown, probably like 15 yards. It would have been like a seven-and-a-half-point play. It really hurt. Yeah. By the way, getting a lot of responses here. Uh, to the question, John says Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, Kevin uh, Roto at Roto, Roto Surgeon says AJ Brown plays like a bruising. Oh, AJ Brown is a monster. I mean, I don't know. Like, he's definitely physically Debo. Somebody said. Yep. A draft sheet said Debo. Debo's pretty physical. Yep. Got so two two nominations for Fitzgerald, uh, which I kind of like. Uh, and then uh, uh, Pete uh, replies, uh, "What what?" Happened to uh, uh, Anquan Bolden. It's pretty crazy. He was supine and inert to the turf of the Meadowlands with a concussion and knocked out. He sustained two facial fractures that required eight plates and 40 screws to repair. A cut lip needed more stitches, and his jaw had to be wired to realign his bite. He came out of surgery and refused pain medication. I don't do pain meds, Bolden told the Arizona Republic. (laughs) Jeez. Bolden's a hard dude. Yeah, he's tough. Uh, Of course, someone else said that he, he quit on the bills. Uh, but okay. Um, yeah, a lot of Larry Fitzgerald's, some Golden Tates, DK Metcalf. He's big. We'll, we'll see about the tough part. A lot right. of, a lot of these guys are like, a lot of these guys are, uh, interpreting your question. Who would you least like to fight? But that's not the question. <laughs> it's not like who would, it's who's like just tough in a football context. Right. And so there was Steve Smith, right? Steve Smith was a, was right. a hard dude too, but he was more like a fight. I mean, he was tough on the field, but I don't think he was the guy that maybe he was doing those crackbacks too, yeah. but, uh, this is a good one. J- Julian Edelman. Uh, Got to be Edelman. Dude makes a living catching hospital balls and gets right up. Did play out of his head. In, uh, yeah, he played. He was, un- he was unconscious in that Super Bowl. Great yeah. Super Bowl. Yes. Uh, now, yeah, tons, tons of responses. Though. I like it. Uh, apparently, a lot of people have, have a lot to say on that. So, hey, this is almost more immediate. They don't even know that's, that we're talking about them right now. It's right. Not- they don't know that it's being recorded. Yes. Hilarious. Uh, but uh, wow, just flowing in. I like it there. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break uh, before we wrap this up here. Uh, note from our friends at Prediction predict, or Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is a fantasy sports stock market on which you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes as if they were stocks. Ever heard someone say, I've had stock in this player since day one? Well, now Prediction Strike makes that a real possibility. You had stock in Patrick Mahomes in his rookie year. You knew this would happen. Now it's a reality. Create a portfolio of all your favorite athletes and get closer to the game than ever before. To get started, simply buy PredictionStrike.com to create an account. Then deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares of your favorite players, just like you would real stocks. Each game is like an earnings report. If the player beats his projections, his stock moves up. It's that easy. You can trade your shares of a player at any time, as long as the player isn't currently in a game. Get started today by visiting PredictionStrike.com and sign up with code ROTOWIRE to get an additional $10 with your first deposit of $20 or more. And it's funny, I was doing this read the last week at Scott Angle on, and you know, he's, he came around the industry same time as us. Uh, and I, I brought this up with him uh, with this, uh, this read. Uh, remember Wall Street Sports? Totally remember, yeah. I, I used to be into that for a while. I, I wonder whatever happened to them. I just 
forgot that they did that. I, I don't think they had a, a tight enough algorithm for how – I think it was just all market-based. So, like, yeah. guys would go up and then guys would go down. But it wasn't, like, based – it wasn't tied to his performance enough or something. So it was kind of more just random. But uh, I played that for a little bit. I remember that. Yeah. Um, I, I played a lot of that. But uh, then – You played a lot. I played a little. <laughs> and then, then it stopped. But the funny thing was – well, I didn't play a lot. I don't know about a lot. But I – uh, but then I just devoted stopped. your life to that. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Well, I think like there's probably no, like there was, wasn't a great exit. I don't know. I can't remember it. I mean, look, we collected baseball cards as kids, right? And football cars. And, and I used to, you know, I always bought at the wrong time, 1981, 1987. I always bought when they were overproducing them. There wasn't like great cars to be had, but I love the idea of like investing in something I knew about and followed rather than like the market where you it's so boring, these stupid companies and who wants to learn about that stuff when you can learn about, you know, invest in baseball and fantasy is a nice outlet, but like, you know, fantasy, you're just like living and dying with all this random stuff. But if you're buying into careers, even a dynasty league, like one guy gets hurt one year, the year that everyone else is good, you know, but buying like a baseball card or a, a stock, right. is like, you're really more, most directly applying your sports knowledge to, to make money. Now, I don't know if, you know, I mean, the thing is, how does uh, it just how they convert that into cash value? I mean, right. Not to do an infomercial well, on that, but no, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about all this stuff, but I, I'm saying like, if somehow like you, the guy, I mean, the way to do it is like, you know, if a guy, I, I think, uh, Spencer Din, Dinwiddie in the NBA did something like this, but like he sold his future earnings out and like used it, like sort of tokenized his earnings so you could buy into it. But like if players were like, you know, corporations in the sense that based on, but earnings is even removed because you've got to like wait for the team to sign them and it's all timing and right. budgets and salary caps. But like, if you actually could just like get a piece of the guy's, you know, stats somehow as a, as, you know, convert that to money somehow directly, that'd be a fun game. Yeah, it would. Um, who's somebody you'd want to invest in now? Well, you know, obviously, you don't have to be a buy low, right? Like Mahomes is obvious, right? But he'd be the most expensive yeah. guy. What player, uh, what NFL player would I start investing in? Like a buy I low. Mean, give me a buy low. Yeah, I'll give you a buy low. Um, Beckham. But I already, you know, it's all the guys of like. Yeah, <laughs> that's all, all the guys I like always already. Beckham. He's always on your mind. I love it. I love it. Listen, I, I don't like people crapping on Beckham, you know, and it's, there's been too much of that lately. Um, but, uh, no, I, I mean, like, there's either like a star player who's, um, you know, had a, a rough go of it recently and you, you get them low, uh, or it would be a prospect that other people don't really know about. But the NFL's tough. I mean, you know, I like Van Jefferson. I like, I mean, I don't know really. I'm not like a college guy. I mean, there's so many guys like that that, but they're pretty much known. It was kind of like trying to buy the rookie baseball cards and like, people would be selling the, the rookie cards of all these prospects for a lot already. You know, it's not like you just be like, Oh, no one's heard of this prospect. It's right. not 1977 right now. You know what I mean? People know who's who. So you'd have to be, you know, you'd have to get the guys that people have soured on that have really soured on. You know, it's funny that cards have kind of, uh, had a resurgence because the industry started making them like scarcer. Like they created some this market cause they realized that the market was getting flooded and so, like, they created some, like, a brand of, you know, maybe, I, I want to say, maybe, cheap, you know, like, scarce cards uh, and try to sell them off. I don't know if it's, uh, how, if it's really working, but, 
you know, if it's real value, I should say. But it's funny, like, you know, when we, I was collecting cards, collected them for a long time, had to sell them when I was in college, and then, like, six months later, there was a big collapse. Like, and I think it's because the, the market had just gotten flooded with all these different types. Now, all of a sudden, there's, like, a resurgence. Maybe there's just two different tiers of baseball cards. Yeah, isn't, but isn't, like, I mean, to me, the only ones that really are going to hold value are the ones from the 50s and 60s and before, mm-hmm. the ones that are truly scarce. Because, you know, I remember in the 90s, I started buying them again in like the mid-90s because I was, I was bored. I was living by myself. I was like, oh, I, I love baseball cards. So I started buying some again. And it was like, oh, the signed card was one in a thousand of this version of, of this guy's card would have a real signature on it yeah. in some pack. So that one was instantly 500 bucks if you got it. But then there were like 20 other sets doing the exact same thing. So it was like scarce. That particular card was scarce, but there were like another one that had like a piece of the guy's baseball bat, like taped, you know, stitched into it or some other. It was like they all had their little gimmick of why it was scarce. But so it was like fake scarcity. But the old ones, like you can't go back in time. You know, those are scarce for real. People threw them out and, you know, those are beautiful cars from the 50s. You look at those like a Willie Mays from like 1958 and you're like, Damn, that's a nice card. And it's you know, not like, like a, a rare miscut card or the Billy Ritchie yeah, card. You know, those are the ones. Ugh, give me a break on that. I, I yeah. hated those. I hated like yeah. oh, bump wills, bump wills error card or something like that on the wrong team. Yeah. The, the 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 point is that uh, is that the old ones are scarce. I don't know if there's some resurgence to the new ones. I guess maybe some. Uh, and I don't trust a lot of this stuff. A lot of these guys manipulate things, and people are scared of inflation and stuff, so they're putting money in. The, you know, put. Art, you know, art was going for hundreds of millions of dollars for paintings. Right. You know, when money gets plentiful and it goes into assets, and like, why not? Old baseball cards are assets. Yeah, I, I was reading this takedown of Vegas Dave, uh, the one of the, yeah, uh, the touts. Uh, yeah. And he, he, you're talking about his prowess in buying and selling, you know, trading cards like that. And it's like these trout cards he was making, like buying and selling at big deals and all that. And there are some. Debate on the, the up and upness of that as well. So it's just what's caught my eye. I don't know. That guy's just on that pure topic. scamming. For, he's a pure scamming fraud. So everything's suspect. Anything he says about success is immediately suspect. Right. Uh, note from the Steelers and Giants game: Anthony McFarland's a healthy scratch. You know, fourth round pick out of Maryland. You know, people thought he was going to be the handcuff to James Conner. Uh, it's pretty clear it's not him. Probably Benny Snell. I mean, yeah. Steelers are old school, right? They have one back who gets all the carries, right? And they probably have a veteran who backs him up. It's just very, you know, they're not like they'll use the rookie if they have to. But I'm curious about Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Juju. You know, with Roethlisberger, Ebron, sort of what, you know, how, how that's going to look with a real quarterback. Yep. And whether Ben will be that real quarterback again, like what right. does he have left in the tank? I think he has an advantage over Breeze and Brady and Rivers. Rivers had such a weird throwing motion even in his peak. But those guys have no arm left. Brady had a little bit. Breeze has nothing. And I think Ben, because he's so big, can probably still throw a deep ball. Because it's just, you know, if if you're 6'4", 250, 240, it's just like it's such an advantage in just throwing down the field. It is. It is. Uh, You know, I wonder, though, like, you know, we saw that training camp report that he his throwing motion started to look like Philip Rivers at the end of the That's not good. session. Like, you don't want no, that. Oh, no, not that. I don't want that. Especially after what uh, Rivers did. He threw for a lot of yards yesterday, Chris, all on like thousands of dump offs. Yeah, Rivers, it, it's like a very poor man's Drew Brees. 
you know, he like knows what to do. He's at the line. He's doing this, but Drew Brees doesn't make errors like that. You know, he makes rare errors. I mean, with Rivers, it's error after error, and most he can do is kind of command the offense and dump it to the right guy. And there's no zip on the ball either. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, I, yeah. And I just hope Ben's not like that. But uh, we'll find. Oh, actually, kind of. I mean, I guess I kind of. You're do a Bengals fan. A Bengals fan, but but you're not. You're, you're in a rebuilding process right now. I know you might not realize it, but you actually oh, are. Oh, you should talk, dude. <laughs> well, let's You're talk after I was tonight. Talking about the Giants could be in first place if they win. I mean, they could. <laughs> it's only a six-point line. It's not like that. You know, it's not that yeah. crazy if they win. And, yeah, and you you are you are right. But it's like how you dismissed the Washington football team in one in one breath, and in the same breath talked about the Giants. The I truth is, help them. The truth is, the football team is probably ahead of the Giants because of if Chase Young is the real deal. I didn't really see tape on him. I don't know how much you saw of him, but that defense could be legit right away. Right. And then I think Haskins, I mean, I think, well, the Giants are ahead because they're, I think Haskins is very mediocre and Dimes could be good. And that's just such a bit, I mean, people crap on Gettleman, but he, he passed on Darnold. who looks like a disaster and they takes Dimes over Haskins. Everyone's like, what are you doing? You don't take Daniel Jones over Dwayne, you know, Dwayne Haskins was considered the second best QB in the draft class, right. even the best by some. You could have traded takes down. Daniel, yeah. He should have traded that. Well, he probably he might, but he was convinced. He said that someone's going to take Daniel Jones at eleven or twelve, and you know the Broncos. I think were in there or something. Would have wanted a quarterback. And like, if you believe that, and you think the guys, you know, we talked about the Tom Brady problem. Like, if 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 it's too, if it's what when did he get drafted ninety nine, and you've got a, and you 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 know who Tom Brady's going to become. You take him in the second or third round, just even though no one's going to touch him till the sixth when you got him. Because what if someone gets him in the fourth? You can't take that chance. So you push him up, and it's the same thing. If you think you have your guy, like they did have that pick 17 that they had traded for, um, and then they had picked like 31 that is now in jail. But the, but the point is that you just take him. It's a franchise quarterback. You don't start quibbling between like, oh, I could maybe trade down and get both. You know, Right. That's right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it, we'll see, though. I just – I think that they're in a very similar place to football team and Bengals, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah they're all three, you know, rebuilding. Right. All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we go? Anything you're working on? No, I'm just going to do uh, East coast offense tomorrow. And I, I think I'm just going to write about how the z- zero running back, how, yeah, it's great. Look at all these running backs got, Oh wait, my receivers are letting me down. And that, you know, there's, there's nothing that's guaranteed in the NFL. You might execute this thing to a T and you still lose, you know? So it's, uh, right. Well, how, how like started, if you, towards the back of the draft, it looks like it could have worked so far. Adams Hopkins, you could have started well, off. Hopkins would have slipped, you know, not in July when I drafted would Hopkins have made it back to me in round two, but you know, late in the draft, you could have got Thomas Hopkins, but you don't want Thomas. Yeah. You, you wanted Adams Hopkins. And then Jonathan Taylor in round three, it looks like now, now that you know that Marlon Mack's out. Right. And then, you know, you could have got all those Heinz, Swift, whatever guys, you know, Ronald Jones in round six, you know, all those guys. Actually, I can see the future. Malcolm, yeah, the, right. Exactly. It's very easy to get, you know, I, I do my ideal draft in the last, in week 16 every year. And it's always like taking the defense that scored a million points in the second round and the, you know, the random, you know, the guy that you could have got last in the first round because, if you knew, if you knew the future, you can, you know, have some very weird, successful drafts. Yeah, yeah that's right. You could, and you always write the the perfect draft article later in the year in East Coast offense. Exactly. Exactly. Right. 
Cool. All right. That's going to wrap it up for today's uh, podcast. Thanks for everybody for listening. Got uh, Jake and Joe tomorrow, so make sure to tune in for that. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review. Listen to all the RotoWire Fantasy Football podcasts. We do appreciate you listening to us. Have a great day. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.